Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. All right. So here is Brian Samuel. So my friend Brian and I, if you haven't listened before, we have done a few podcasts about content that we love. Brian is the author of the blog TV Uncovered, where he watches everything under the sun so he can recommend things to people and we could talk about it. And now that everybody is quarantined and we're all just looking for distractions, it's the perfect time to be watching and listening, et cetera. So Brian, welcome back to the podcast. Always wonderful to be here. This is our fourth. This is, is this our, our fourth, fourth podcast. Yes. Well, fourth of many. We're I like your home setup. Zoom. This is how I pictured uh, your setup exactly. <laughs> With the four TVs in the back? Yeah, like exactly. It's your yeah, pool so you, house turned office. Can you see? Can yes. you see the four TVs back yes, there? Yes, it's yeah. set up like a Vegas betting situation. <laughs> when I had when I had DirecTV come out and do this, the guy looked at me and goes, you a bookie? <laughs> exactly. Said, no, I'm not. I just like sports. And uh, unfortunately, there are none to watch. Although we're going to talk about a few things that, that touch upon sports. And I'm excited yes, for that. Yes, me too. All right, let's start with the big one that everyone's talking about. Although I don't know in a week if everyone will be, but it's in the zeitgeist as we speak. And that is a Tiger King. So tell us about Tiger King. So if you remember on the last, our last podcast, it was pre-Tiger King. And I had said that a friend of mine had already watched it because her boyfriend works at Netflix and said, you're going to love it. Okay. So she was right. I watched it the day that it dropped, of course. Um, and I'm admitting this to you now freely. I watched all seven episodes that same day. Yeah. Which I didn't understand. Like what were the out? Was it like five o'clock to midnight? Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. <laughs> I just yeah. needed to obviously, figure that out. It was more till like 1am with some breaks, obviously to eat right. and stretch my legs. Right. Um, I was riveted the moment I started watching it. I thought it was incredibly interesting, but where I'm having issues right now, and I will let you talk about this, is how we're turning these people into celebrities, and they are not. These are rotten people. These are very, very bad human beings, and we're celebrating them. And the articles are nonstop. Who's going to play Joe Exotic in the movie? He wants David Spade. Like, this is where we're at. Let's, let's, take a step back, realize that these are bad people and not give them the celebrity status that we seem to be giving them. That's, that's my take right now. You're absolutely right. Look, it's, it's complicated, right? Because when you hand people cartoon characters that are way too over the top to seem real, yet they are, it's hard to not get carried away with that because we're also stir crazy and looking for crazy content. So it came at this perfect storm, right? Where like, quarantine meets insanity, which is just like, thank you. Right. Yes. But agree. Listen, my biggest issue, I want to start with the positive. It was riveting. I also consumed it in about a day and a half. It, it was, I mean, to the extent that you could well, that you can construct something well, because it was so all over the place and it jumped around and time and space, it still held together. It was one insane story after the next. Each story could have been its own thing, which yes. it was. So, I mean, there were so many insane, each person rotten to the core, but also larger than life. So it was very rich ground for a doc and a doc series. Now, having said that, you know, it was very hard and you and I are both animal lovers. It was so hard to just deal with seeing the way that the animals were treated. Yes. And, that apparently didn't even go far enough. Did I meant to send you, did you see the David Spade interview with the Kirkman guy? No, all I saw was that David Spade said that he would not play Joe Exotic in a movie. Okay. So he had on his show that he's now transitioned to Instagram, he had on Rich Kirkman, is that his name? Yes. Yeah. He said, it's so disturbing. You're going to cry when you watch it. He said that, the doc didn't even show the worst parts of it that like the Ugh. way that he treated this animals. I don't want to say it just anyone who just go see it for yourself because it's too upsetting to even relay to you. But let's just say that he's a straight up sociopath. And the fact that people that the misogyny, listen, I think Carol straight up killed her husband. I, I have 100%. no doubt, yes. but the misogyny overlay that's been happening where they're like joking about Joe exotic and 
calling Carol Baskin a bit, the bitch who killed her husband and trying to make them the same person. They're not the same person. Carol's awful in her own way. Correct. And I think she's probably also a sociopath, but I'm noticing that it's very on brand for America to be celebrating this fucking asshole and going after Carol Baskin. Have you noticed this? A hundred percent. And it's, it's very, it's grating and I'm tired of it. And I am kind of just turning it off. I, I read what you sent me last night, that article that you sent me. And I watched Let me just the give a plug for Andy yeah. Denhart, um, who does a blog called Reality Blurred. And he wrote an excellent, really thoughtful, deep review about it. I think it's worth everybody's time. Agreed. Reality Blurred. And I, and I watched the trailer that you sent, which is a movie I need to watch now. Yes, about tell people what that is. It was crazy. Andy the, said that in his article. That's how I found it. Right. Richard Kirkman. Yes. Um, who's the producer who's in Tiger King about 12, 14 years ago, somewhere in that vicinity was documented as an absolute over the top drug addict who flushed his television career down the toilet because he was addicted to crack. And it's a documentary that looks pretty interesting that I think we're both going to be checking out very we soon. Will. I can't say it shocked me. No. I mean, again, one look that, at his teeth and you could probably yeah. tell a story about his past drug use along right. with most of the people in that documentary. Yeah. Did you find anyone redeeming? Nary a one, not a single person. <laughs> what about no, the tigers? I, I love the tigers. Let me right. tell you just a quick story. Yeah. So Shaquille O'Neal had a cameo in that series. Right. Um, I was with Shaquille O'Neal right after he returned from Joe Exotic's place. Of course that you were. Day, you have a connection to everything. <laughs> so oh I was in God. Oklahoma City and we were doing um, an Crazy. appearance with Shaq. And he was late and he comes strolling in and he says, I just bought two tigers. Oh my God. And I said, I don't understand what that means. Are you, where are they? I don't see them. Are you taking them home with you? Right. And he said, well, I didn't actually, it's not like I actually bought them, but you know, he essentially contributed to help feed them and care for them. Oh, and really? He, so that, yeah. Way. So he could just go visit them basically? Exactly. Yeah. Weird. So, yeah. So they were always going to stay in Oklahoma. And at the time I just basically dismissed it. Um, but now looking back, I understand where he was and what he was doing that day. And he's been actually, Shaquille has been very vocal that he's not supporting what Joe Exotic does. He has no relationship with him, but of course I was with him that day. He did get me tickets to go to that OKC Golden State Warriors playoff game. So I'm forever grateful. <laughs> We're good, Shaq. We're good. <laughs> Joe Exotic didn't get you the tickets. Shaq did, right? Shaquille O'Neal yeah, got okay. me the tickets, <laughs> just, correct. Just being clear. Yeah. Yes, yes. So did you happen to listen to the podcast, Joe Exotic? I did not. I know you did. Yeah. Well, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I another thing I highly recommend just in the content is, uh, arena is uh, Kate Casey, who has a fabulous podcast, she interviewed the host of Joe Exotic, the journalist who covered it, and he gave some really juicy stuff. And basically what I'm gleaning from all the sort of extra stuff that I'm reading after the fact with interviews from various people is the people that think that Jeff set up Joe and Joe didn't do it, didn't hire someone to kill Carol. They're all insane. It seems yes. like Jeff and Joe did it together and Jeff should be in jail Yes. Um, another psychopath, horrible human, <laughs> evil devil, but that Joe a hundred percent. I mean, why is there even a doubt when we saw him using a gun to blow off her fake head, like telling everyone and their mother, anyone he would meet that he's going to he kill her. wanted her dead yeah. and he's going to kill her. Yeah. yeah. He's a psychopath and there shouldn't be a doubt in anyone's mind. And the fact that we are giving this guy a platform to continue to, to chirp is what is very troubling to me. And so I've stopped reading most of the coverage and I'm kind of over it and I've moved on and I wish other people would, and I'm sure they will very soon. Yeah. Before we move on, just one other thing I want to say, <laughs> I'm not ready yet. That first of all, the poetic justice of him being locked in a cage. I mean, I don't think it gets yes, better than that. Of course. Um, but the other thing is Doc Antle is another psychopath. Yes. What a horrible human being. I mean, a, a producer in training, which we saw, which was great. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> um, but yes, another one who it's almost like he kind of gets a free pass on yeah. this because he's the least disgusting and psychotic of the group. But yes, yeah, even though it, he's a cult leader who exploits women, animals right. and everything in between. 
And that was just kind of, it's been brushed over in all this aftermath. No one talks about any of the things he did to these women or any of the horrible things that he's doing because he's the least evil of all of these horrible people. So thank you for bringing that up and pointing that out. So having said everything we just said, are you still glad that it was made and then you watched it? (laughs) Yeah. Having said all these horrible things and how I'm not reading anything and I'm over it and move on. Yeah. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it. (laughs) At least watch it to be part of the conversation. I know a lot of people who say they can't, like Howard was saying that he couldn't watch it because of the animal cruelty. Yeah. That part is tough, but it really is less the thrust of it. I mean, I hope if anything, it a shines a light and, and, you know, people like Carol Baskin are total pieces of shit because maybe she's not as bad as Joe because she's not breeding them, but she's trapping them in cages. And the fact yeah, that there's lesser more, of two evils. Yeah, exactly. The fact that there's more tigers in captivity than in the wild, that just makes me so sick to my stomach that I can barely fathom it. You and me both. Um, but again, compartmentalize it and yeah, take right. the documentary for what it's worth. And Netflix should be counting its lucky stars because the timing at which this all came to be couldn't have worked out better for them. But yeah, you know, it's at true. Least someone's at least someone's coming out ahead and all this happening in this world around us. Yeah. Good and speaking you, of Netflix, speaking of Netflix, we'll just touch on it briefly with no spoilers because I'm not caught up, but everyone's saying season three of Ozark is off the hook. And I know you've already seen it all right <laughs> now. I'm just yeah. on season two because I fell okay. way behind, but I'm, I'm trying to get through two because I want so badly to get to three, but two is a little bit of a slog. Uh, couldn't agree more. I thought okay. one was great. One was two great. was a grind. And here's my very top, top line. No spoiler take okay. on three. First half of the season. I thought paced really nicely, moved well, really enjoyed it. Second half of the season fell off a cliff and I struggled to get through nine and 10. So can I wait of the third season? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Holy shit. So all these people that love it, that that are praising it. Yeah, they're freaking out. No, I thought that the second half slowed down tremendously, took some turns and deep dives into some storylines that I thought were a waste of time. And I really, really struggled to get through the end of it. I felt like I was back on season two. Yep. To me, it kind of paced like The Outsider. Right. Thought it was right. strong from the beginning. <laughs> right. I enjoyed it and then just kind of fell off a cliff. And I was like, ah, is this over already? I'm ready okay. to move on. Yeah. Ugh, now Unpopular you're not opinion. Well, am I going to like it? I mean, I think you'll feel the same as me if I was mm. going to guess. I think Ugh. you'll you'll think it was fine, but it got really boring in the second half of the season and that it you made it through. But whatever. That's kind of my take. It might be one of those shows that just was meant to be one season, like a Killing Eve, you know? Yeah, yes. And I know your uh, your thoughts on Killing Eve, and and I'm kind of with you in, uh, along those lines with respect to Ozark. Okay, but one show that you are loving that I still don't know about, but only from you, is Dave, which is on Hulu, uh, FX by Hulu? Hulu it's by on FX. FX. Hulu rebroadcasts it. Um, okay. It's called it's a Dave delight. and it's, it's a, a comedy. It's, yes. It's about, it's based on the life of rapper Lil Dicky. Oh, um, and that's Dave. Dave Bird um, has his rapper name is Lil Dicky. It's incredibly self-deprecating. He makes so much fun of himself in such a hilarious way. The show is doing really, really well. Okay. It's rating really well for FX. And it's kind of a, a buddy of mine. I'll give him credit said it's a combination of, and get ready, these are two big compliments to throw out to the show. Okay. It's a combination of Atlanta and Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I don't even understand how you meld those two. <laughs> now I'm curious. Is it half well, hours? It's half hours. It's very digestible. And it's, it's lewd. It's funny. And it's something that I think people should be watching because um, it's, it just, you know, it's light and it will allow you to kind of take a break from all the news and everything happening around you and tiger captivity and <laughs> boring dramas and just give you a light 30 minute comedy that you can watch and enjoy and laugh at. Okay. You know what that just reminded me of? And I don't think you and I have ever discussed this. Did you ever see the show on Netflix called big in France? No. Oh yes, I did. Yeah. I did see big in France. Yes. I, that sort it of ha- was that offbeat kind of yes. curb kind of, yes. I really, we really enjoyed that series. Yes. Um, it has, it, I, I see a comparison there. Okay. Um, but Lil Dicky and Dave bird slash Lil Dicky 
there's a lot more, um, it's, it's crass in okay. many ways. There's a lot, he, he's, Lil Dicky is in reference to his small male genitalia. <laughs> wow. I would have okay. never guessed. And he's, he embraces it. So I would just encourage people to watch it. It's fun, easy, light, enjoyable. Anything will be better than what I was forced to watch last night, which is Daddy's Home 2. It, Hell no. And I can appreciate a stupid, good comedy. It Me was too, awful. And my husband was laughing along with my daughter. <laughs> like, are we on another planet? Like, this is awful. It's, there's not one funny line. Although Will Ferrell is one of the best physical comedians. I will give him that. That's my I don't, review. <laughs> he is. I will um, never watch that so long as I'm on <laughs> no, this earth. Never. And lucky for no. you, you did not have a child so that you're not forced <laughs> to watch these family movies. No, okay. So you. one thing I'm dying to talk to you about, because it's kind of breaking, breaking news, breaking content that we didn't even mention the last time is a new two hour doc that's on HBO right now called The Scheme. Which, of course, thanks to you, I knew about and watched because otherwise probably would have escaped my radar because it's sports related. But it was so compelling. I cannot wait to hear. First of all, tell people what it's about and I want to hear your take on it because you obviously knew about it. I had no idea. I'm so happy that you enjoyed it. Yeah, my husband loved it too. The scheme is the story of a young man named Christian Dawkins who, for all intents and purposes, was a runner in the NBA agent game. And essentially what that means is that he was the conduit between player agents and college or high school players who were coming up and were going to enter the NBA. He was, and and let me just say this, I've known Christian Dawkins personally since he was 18 years old. I was wondering that, but isn't he only like 25 now? He can't be older than 25. 26, I believe. And what was your interaction? Like, how do you know him? So for a brief moment in time, I dipped my toe into the waters of being an NBA agent. And I quickly realized that that is the most disgusting business that I have ever seen in my life. Wow. So everything that you have heard about it, multiply it by a factor of 100. It's that disgusting. And that's a story for another day. Yeah. But I was introduced to Christian And he was helping me recruit players. And to say that he was the smartest 18-year-old human being (laughs) I have ever come across in my life would be putting it mildly. He was connected, dialed in everywhere, knew everyone, knew the business cold. Essentially, Christian Dawkins, while in high school, started an AAU team, an AAU basketball team that became one of the top teams in the country. And he was doing things in terms of getting contracts from shoe companies and money for his team to travel that no one was getting. And we won't ruin the story, but Christian then was employed by a basketball agent. And did you know that guy, the agent, Andy Miller? Yes. Yes. Scumbag. Um, You know, listen, in order to be successful right. <laughs> in that business, to a large extent, you have to be willing to sell your soul. Yeah. Um, and I learned that and I wasn't willing to do it. And it's why I bailed. Wow. And Christian, I don't think. So I, I'm very curious. I want your take right now as to what do you think of Christian Dawkins? Did he do anything wrong in the process of what you saw in this film? So again, yeah, it's hard without spoiling, but they do tell you up front that he is a convicted felon. So um, without getting too deep into the details, because it could, could, could go off the rails, um, what everything that you said, well, just before I answer your question, everything that you said is tracks completely because what blew me away about him was not just how clearly brilliant he was and what an unbelievable operator he was, just, you know, born to do to do this stuff in whatever capacity, as we learn later. Um, But this guy can tell a story like you're relying on him for two hours to walk us through this story. And man, does he deliver? I mean, there's other voices, but you have to buy into him. And to an extent you have to believe him. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, without knowing him or the story, I was the perfect person to watch it because 
you know, I'm always like, I'm not going to believe a con artist. Is this guy mm-hmm. scheming me? You know, he's clearly an operator. I'm listening to these recordings where he's slick as hell. So he's probably conning me. But what I really got from the end of it was like, this guy's pretty upfront about who he is and what he's done. And so, yeah, in the end, I think he was very clear. Yes, I was paying families and that's legal. It's done by everybody. He was very clear that what the FBI was trying to entrap him into doing, which is somehow put in this layer of paying coaches to make it more nefarious and I guess illegal was not something he wanted to do. He never actually acquiesced to do it. So in the end, no, I don't think that he did anything wrong to, to the extent that what he's doing in society is legal. That's my take. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. He was following along and, and you doing what that system does essentially. The system is broken. The NCAA system is broken, but what Christian was doing was operating within the lines of the business that he was in. And so to, if, if you're saying that what he was doing was wrong in terms of paying players or paying their families, then that entire agency business would be taken down because it is how that business operates. And so I just, I think he comes across as real and as truthful as he could have ever hoped to have come across. Um, and I texted with him after to tell him that. And the, he's just, a, he's a good kid at heart. What did, what did he say when you texted him afterwards? I, well, he did an interview earlier in the week that I saw. And I said, you had a great interview with Shams, who's an NBA reporter. Uh, and he said, thanks. And he said, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts after you watch the doc. And I wrote him a really nice long text. And I said, I thought that you came across as genuine. I thought that you told a very straight, real story. I thought you inserted humor yeah. in the right places. Totally. And you, as far as I know, and from the day that I met you, you've been genuine and you've been real and you've been truthful and you never screwed me. And it doesn't seem like you screwed anybody along this entire path. And you, know, you should be proud of it, of, of the doc. And I wish you the best. And he, you know, gave it a heart, said, thank you. That means, that means a lot to me. And uh, please stay in touch. And I said, I will. You please do the same. Wow. It's so interesting because what really pissed me off was, first of all, the whole thing, I guess why it's called a scheme, was Mm -hmm. fucked up. Like the fact that the FBI and that, that nefarious agent kept trying to entrap him into this other scheme was really gross. And then that he just somehow disappeared without consequence, but that the coaches straight up lied and lie. And there's zero consequences for them. Zero. That's the thing that's that must make you crazy. It's it does. The, The fact that these coaches will get up and, and tell the world that they never dealt with Christian, that they never had a deal with Christian, that they had nothing to do with Christian. And there are, recorded conversations that contradict those yes. statements and there's no repercussion. Will Wade and Sean Miller are just out there coaching their respective colleges, recruiting players and life goes on. And it's, it's, I, the whole thing is fascinating to me. I will say it is the, the most real exposure of the underbelly of amateur basketball that you will ever see. Did I ever so tell you, you or did we talk about it when you were here? My husband sued the NCAA. Yes. Um, it was that big lawsuit about using their likeness without their yep. permission. So it, it actually is adjacent to this because it all has to do with that amateur status, which is indentured servitude. And he made an amazing point, which was that if the system was reversed and it was black coaches and white players, it would not be this way. And that's a whole other thing that the doc didn't really dig into, but I thought that was very astute and very interesting. Although briefly, I think Christian said that, what yeah, you just said. He did. Um, but right, they didn't go deeper into it. But long story longer, it's a two hour doc. It's on HBO. It's called The Scheme. You should watch it and you should uh, enjoy it because I think it's a great look at amateur basketball and a great story of 
something that is near and dear to me too. Right. And I should add that it's not near and dear to me. I don't care about anything in that world and it's still fascinating and compelling. So it's just a good story. I'm happy to hear you say that. That's for the non-sportsy people out there. (laughs) Um, Okay. And another sports related documentary that's completely different with a ton of heart, beautifully made, um, uh, that you again recommended on Hulu called Kissed by Gods. I thank you again for recommending it. It was absolutely beautiful, very sad and moving. And I'm really glad that it was a story that was told. So tell us about that one. So this is the story of um, surfing legend, Andy Irons. Um, Andy was a three-time world champion. There was a time where Kelly Slater had won seven straight championships and Andy came in and won three straight. Uh, I had the pleasure of representing Andy as his agent. When was um, that in his career? I was trying to figure that out. So I repped him back in around 2004, 2005. So it was the third championship. Wow. So he had he had won the first two. And that's a very bro industry. Yeah. Not, it's not open to agents. This is at the time. Things have changed over the last 15 years. Right. But at the time, I wasn't really welcomed into that space. So the billabong deal that Andy had, that was just negotiated between Andy's uncle or dad <laughs> and billabong. Like, wow. And again, these are seven-figure deals. Yeah. But agents really weren't welcome into that world. Um, I was representing Andy for a few years and we started getting him national TV commercials. He did a spot for Quiznos. He had a deal with Coors. He had um, his big billabong deal. There was a lot of opportunity for Andy as a world champion. Um, and the story, which is years old now, is that Andy suffered um, mental disorders and bipolar and, and was an addict. Um, and he passed away several years ago. And it's a it's a very interesting look into his life and into his struggles. And to be quite honest with you, knowing Andy as I did, I didn't see him exhibiting behaviors like he exhibited in this documentary ever. I what was saw he like him, to you? Couldn't have been happier, nicer, excited about the things that we were doing. Um, I, I never caught him on his lows. Mm-hmm. I, I caught him when he was very level-headed and when he was on his highs. And I spent a decent amount of time with him. Not, not a ton because he was traveling the world competing, but enough to get a chance to know him. And it just was, I feel like it was never truly addressed because I also represented Bruce, his brother. Oh, wow. and, and the family, it, it was never, nothing that was ever brought up. We never talked about it and no one said word one about it. And he was struggling badly and the family knew. And I just, it's a very sad story. Um, but it's, it's worth, I think it's worth your time. It's the doc was from two years ago and he's, he's very, very um, sorely missed by a lot of people uh, within the surf community and outside of the surf community. Yeah. Wow. It is so sad. And one of the things that I loved about the doc, I won't say too much, but that it highlights kind of one of these epic beefs, I guess and you call it in the sports world or rivalries between yes. Kelly Slater yes. and Andy. And that was just a fantastic story within the story. Fantastic. And, and, and so you'll, you're going to laugh at me, but so I, I have a personal conflict on that because oh boy. Kelly, Kelly Slater happens to be very good friends with Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. <laughs> and as you know, um, I have an affinity for that band. Just a little. And so there were shows that I was that I went to where Kelly Slater was on stage and I wasn't sure what to do. Do I clap? <laughs> do I boo? Um, so it was it was a it was an internal struggle that I had, but um, it was good to see that that at the end there was a mending of that relationship between Andy and Kelly and that that they ended up being respectful of one another and you felt good about it at the end. Yeah. And they clearly respected each other all along. That's why it was yeah. so compelling to watch. Yes. It's really, really a great doc. I highly recommend it. I mean, it is sad, but it's, 
I think it's illuminating on mental illness. We don't get to see that a lot. Um, I think the way that that's talked about and also how um, drugs and oxycodone um, took over a big part of the surfing community. I think that was something I'd never heard of before that was, it was powerful and I think it should, should be addressed. I think we talked about the pharmacist a little bit in the last, um, yeah. And the, and the pharmacist obviously is all about that. So I'm glad that these docs are showing and bringing these issues to the forefront because they're real and they affect so many people. Yes. And so many people suffer from them, um, silently. Yep, exactly. Okay, so let's get to some other stuff. Um, You dove into making the cut. I did not have time, did not make the cut over here on Amazon um, with Heidi Klum and make it work, Tim Gunn. So how is it? Is it worth Um, our time? If you like Project Runway, it's worth your time. Love Project Runway, big fan. Then it's worth your time. I think they, I I really love the way that they shot it. Um, it looks a little bit different. It looks bigger. It's just more beautifully shot. Um, and they have these little kind of interstitials within the episode, if you will, where Heidi and Tim go do different things around Paris. Um, <laughs> okay. and I just thought it, like, it's just, it's fun. Um, again, I don't love Heidi. You, she kind of irritates me. She's the same as she's been so she'll continue to irritate you in that case okay, but yeah. if you like project runway you should watch this it's the same show well so is that other one there's another one on netflix there is that i started watching which i also enjoyed it's kind of like i'll watch any fashion competition i guess <laughs> i really do enjoy it but tim gunn's not on it so i love tim gunn he's amazing right, and he makes this show and that's why i think it's it's palatable to me because i'm not a a um fashion connoisseur over here i um <laughs> Far from it, but I just, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's like these people are so unbelievably talented with what they can do. I, I'm blown away by it. Anybody that can do things that I couldn't do if my life depended on it and they do so yes. fast Agreed. under pressure and successfully, I'm blown away by it. I feel the same way about tattoos and tattoo shows. Yeah, it's an art. I mean, anyone right. or cooking, same thing. I'm just like, how do these people do it? I, did we discuss, are you watching Top Chef? I am watching Top yeah, Chef. I'm into it. What are your it. thoughts? I like it. We just watched the uh, last night's this morning and uh, I'm into it. Look, I love an all-stars because you know you're going to get top level. I think it's going to come down to Kevin and Valtaggio. I think it's pretty clear. I agree. And I love an all-star too. Um, <laughs> but this is just making for a great season. Same things going on over um, with our friends at Survivor. Season 40. 40. <laughs> Believe that season 40 it's unbelievable. is an all-star season and it too has been fantastic. Oh, good. I know people are committed to it. It's just, I haven't seen it since the second season. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of Burnett shows, Shark Tank continuing to deliver. Love that show so much, as you know. Always. It's, it, it's constantly, I mean, consistently good, no matter what. I, I've yet to see a bad episode of that show. You agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, not every segment is great or interesting, but no, but it just always delivers. And I love, I just think it gets better every season. I don't know. I fall more in love with it every day. I just, I, I love it. I'm really enjoying um, Rohan Oza. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's great. I think we need more of him. I think he's really, really good. Honestly, he's not afraid to, he does, he doesn't back down to anybody, which I like. I kind of am okay if he took over for Robert. I feel like Robert has kind of lost his way. He never makes any deals. I agree. He's just, I don't, I don't notice when he's not there, you know? Yeah. And Rose has been really good. Really good. Yeah. So, and he's funny and he's, you know, I like how he sometimes goes after Mark and Mr. Wonderful. I love when they stir it up with each other. That's my favorite. (laughs) And they're just, it's just entertaining as hell. So you watched McMillions. I started it. I liked it enough. I think we we may have texted about this. I liked yeah. it, but then I was just like, nah, I don't care about the story. So I just deleted it all. I don't disagree with you. I finished it, but I stopped really caring. Like, I heard it could have been two episodes, not six. Well, okay. So I think flip McMillions and the scheme. Right. Give me six episodes yes. of the scheme and give me two hours of McMillions. Great right? call. Great call. And and 100%. I think we would all be happier. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
McMillian started so strong that that one FBI agent, he's amazing. Uh, Doug Matthews, <laughs> was incredible out of the gates. And then it was like, all right, all right. okay. So they kept great. More people kept winning, and who cares? Yeah, <laughs> we talked briefly last time, I think, about devs, which I think is sci-fi, and so I wrote it off. Right? You wrote it off, probably not for you. It's, um, I think, it's really interesting. I haven't watched this week's yet, but talk about another show that that looks beautiful. Okay, this is one. This is, is it a, on Hulu. I, it's on Hulu. That's what I thought. It's so beautiful. It's oh, a show God. that I think would blow you away just from the way that it looks. Um, but it's basically about a, a tech company and the the head of the company is using his powers and his people to do things that are, um, you know, not above board, let's just say. Let's so, just say it. Yeah, he's he. it's an interesting show. If you're into sci-fi, you'll really like it. If you're not into sci-fi... Um, I think it's still worth checking out and sticking with. It's uh, it's got some nice twists and turns, and I'm I'm all in on devs. I may check it out, but that's a heavy may. One thing that we both <laughs> loved and we didn't talk about last time was Taylor Swift's Miss America, Miss America, or Miss Americana, Miss Americana. Yeah, on Netflix. Uh, easy yes. watch, easy breezy. Obviously, you're gonna get a little bit of the propaganda, you know, because it's her and then she's in control of it. But, and she's not the deepest person. She's not the most riveting human on the planet, but I always love a little peek behind the curtain, you know, and I thought it really covered a lot. the stuff with Kanye was interesting, kind of how that turned her into a hermit. And then I really liked the whole, should I come out and with my political opinions, which may not seem like a big deal to people, may s- seem superficial, but for someone like Taylor that staked her whole reputation on kind of just being the girl next door and not being political or controversial, for her to come out for a Democratic candidate in a Southern state, a Southern red state, that was a big deal. And it was very interesting to see the behind the scenes of how the older men mostly were telling her not to do it. And it felt yeah. like this sort of fight against the patriarchy and the system, which I think was interesting. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I too, like you, I like that look behind the curtain and I liked the way that they told this story. I thought it was, it showed her vulnerability and it showed who she was as a person. And I thought it was really interesting and really easy to watch. Let me ask you this. Do you, did you enjoy the Taylor Swift Doc or the Kevin Hart doc more? Kevin Hart, for sure. Well, first of all, Kevin was a series and Taylor was a one-off. So, um, but I don't think I would have been into watching six or eight episodes of Taylor. You know, like I felt like an hour and a half. I'm good. Thanks. Again, she's just not that complicated as a person or that interesting. Kevin's a really dynamic kind of layered person with a way more interesting background, a way more interesting life. So to me, that was more compelling. Yeah, I agree with you. And less filtered. I felt like even with Taylor kind of letting her hair down, it just still felt a little curated because it's her and she's never going to fully let her hair down. But I also did appreciate her talking about kind of having an eating disorder. And I think that that, especially for her fans and young girls who look up to her, I wish that more women would be more vocal about that stuff because I think it's really important. So I was very appreciative of that as well. Yeah, I agree with you on on all of that. I don't think she's as layered or complicated as Kevin. And I do feel like a lot of it was, you know, curated and calculated. Um, But nevertheless, I still thought it was interesting and, you know, it's uh, an hour and a half, two hour documentary. Yeah, it's definitely worth a look. Another thing that's worth a look that we won't dive into, but we have talked about in the past, which continues to thrive is Atypical. It's a wonderful show on Netflix. It's season three or four. What just, what just finished? Three, three four? finished. Okay, three and finished. they're doing one more, right? Yes, yeah, okay. which will be the final season, I believe. That's one of my favorite shows. I love that show. If you haven't seen it, I don't know anyone who's actually seen it who doesn't love it. Do you? I don't. And you have um, a, a soft spot in your heart for Michael Rappaport. So. <laughs> I do. You should, he is so, have you been watching him at all on Twitter? I, I have not, but I know He's, you have. And I know that you, that you like the guy a lot. And I, listen, because you like him, I have a little bit of a different opinion. If you didn't like him, I would despise him. <laughs> right. No, I get it. You, 
because you like him, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give him more of a chance because you like him. I never said he wasn't insane, but he is very entertaining. I don't disagree with that. So you mentioned a doc to me uh, called Q-Ball about a basketball team. Tell me why I should watch this. Well, I'm and not where necessarily- can I watch it? <laughs> it's on Netflix. I don't okay. know necessarily that you will love it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you liked it's, it. I did, but I'm also craving the National Basketball Association, and so I'll take whatever I can get. And you're are you um, watching old episodes of games too? Well, when NBA TV is going to run a full day of Bulls Knicks <laughs> from the '90s, I'm going to watch. Yes, but even though you know who won. Doesn't matter. Okay. It's still Michael Jordan's first game back at MSG after he unretired. I'm so glad you brought that up. I cannot Uh, wait for that ESPN series. Who are you talking to? I know. Are you dying? So, okay. So here's the deal. So it was supposed to come out in June. So for those who don't know, there's a 10 part documentary about the Chicago Bulls final championship season in 1998. And it's called the last dance. It was supposed to come out in June. My little inside information was that they were trying very, very, very hard to get it pushed up. But because it was done in conjunction with ESPN and ABC and Netflix, there were a lot of hurdles. Plus, they were still editing it as of a couple of weeks ago. So it wasn't even finished. However, we got some unbelievable news this week that instead of releasing this series in June, it will be released on April 19th. So it's in my calendar. Good, because this to me is amongst the most anticipated series of, for me, over the last decade plus. I lived through that 98 season as a born and raised Chicago Bulls fan. So Incredible. I lived in Chicago in 92 when they were reigning supreme. So I've always had a soft spot for the Bulls and for, and of course, for Michael Jordan. So let me ask you this. Are they going to release it like a binge or are they going to do like how they did OJ Made in America? How's it going to get released? My understanding is... Not a binge, but do not quote me on this. Okay. Um, Because it it could change probably. Yes, it could change, but it's going to air first on ESPN. So it's not going to be available on Netflix right away for you to watch the whole thing. So based on that, I'm going to draw a conclusion that it's going to be spaced out. Okay. But it's also, you know, going to be available to stream on ESPN plus app. So who knows how they're actually going to do it. Um, I just saw that it was coming out April 19th and probably stopped reading because I was so excited. Why do you think it took so long for them to make this? Like, what do you know about the history of it? You know, I think that Michael Jordan had always been a holdout on a lot of things, dating all the way back to when he was a player. There were, as a kid, you play video games and Michael Jordan's likeness wasn't on there because he didn't grant the rights for them to use his likeness. So they would create a character that looked like him in war number 23, but it couldn't say his name. So, you know, he's, he has not been vocal since he's retired. He's not one of these guys like Shaq or Barkley who's talking about everything that comes up, which is what made his speech at at the Kobe ceremony so special. Uh, And so there was, I think that there was a lot of, hemming and hawing from, from the Jordan camp on this. Interesting. Um, but thankfully we're going to get to see this. And I, again, couldn't be more excited. Same. We, we digressed from cue ball, which I'll just talk about very, very briefly. Very briefly. It's a, do- <laughs> it's a documentary about the San Quentin prison basketball team oh. and how they run this team within the prison. And there's a coach and there's a player that actually got invited to go try out for the golden state warriors after his release from prison Um, So I'm always intrigued by prison docs and I love basketball. So meld the two and, you know, you had me from, from the trailer. Um, It was also produced by Kevin Durant. Not that that really matters to anybody. Interesting. I might check that out. I like a good prison basketball crossover. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Right. Thinking of, speaking of things I will not try. And I did actually try for about 10 minutes is hunters on Amazon. But as soon as I heard, Al Pacino as an old Jew. I was like, yep, I'm out. Thank you, Al. Not today. I, I, I feel like I'm in the minority, but I, I enjoyed it. Brian liked it too, but he didn't stick with it, but he was into I, it. I could not get over Al Pacino. I couldn't do it. You have to put that aside, <laughs> his, his horrible Jewish old guy stuff, and you have uh, to put the Josh Radner aside right. <laughs> because his character, I mean, give me a break, right? It was terrible. Yeah. But- 
it had some really nice twists and turns. I don't know. I, I stuck with it. I thought it was interesting. And I have friends who were just, who loved it, who were blown away by it, but a lot of people hated it. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to give that one a shot. And the same thing with better call Saul, although I will say I watched like seven episodes of that first season because I was wanted to love it so badly. And I love Odenkirk. I obviously breaking bad's like my favorite show of all time. I could not get into it. I found it to be a snooze fest. Yeah. Listen, it's very, it's impossible to live up to breaking bad. So no matter what they did, and, you know, Vince Gilligan set the bar with Breaking Bad. You're never going to reach that again. So I th- I kind of take it for what it is. I think it's it's a really, for me, it's a good show. It's one that I actually watched the night it airs. Yeah, people um, love it. Yeah, and I have I can't get enough of it. But I understand. I understand why you might not be in love with it. Now, you put Plot Against America on the list. I'm hmm. definitely going to watch this Um on HBO. So there's been about what, three episodes so far? I've watched two. I still haven't watched the third, which is always telling to me. Do you know if how many, right? <laughs> you know, if it's, something sits on your DVR, you're like, totally. mm, am, I, am I really that into it? So you didn't so, like the first two? I liked the first one. I thought the second one was okay. I'm definitely going to watch the third one and it's going to be this weekend. Okay. Um, and I hope that it sucks me back in because it was losing me at the end of episode two. Yeah, I want to try it. It looks it, it looks interesting. And I think I did read the book, but I can't totally remember. I mean, it's obviously well, Philip Roth, so. Right. Which and and David Simon like I want right, to love the it. The wire. Hello. Right. I want to love it, but I think maybe watching that on the heels of Hunters was a little too <laughs> a little heavy overkill. on the Nazi <laughs> yes. stuff. Yes. So That's a lot. maybe I'm taking a break from that for a minute. So what's dispassage dispatches from <laughs> elsewhere in AMC. I have never heard about it. I don't even know how I'm going to describe this. So this is a Jason Siegel show. It's oh, Jason Siegel and Sally Are there Field. puppets? No puppets. Okay, no puppets. he likes those puppets. I know. Jason Siegel, Sally Field, um, Andre 3000. Okay. Is this Philadelphia? Is there a Philadelphia connection here? Yes, okay. there is. I did read something about this. It's this story that I found out after I started the series that it's based on a true story which I don't understand, but it's based on a true story. (laughs) It's essentially this social experiment that puts these characters through a game of sorts. Um, I don't know what the end game is, but they're kind of following clues and going and looking for, yeah, you're, I see you pass. on Zoom shaking your head. Hard I'm laughing. pass, I'm laughing. Brian. Yeah. I, as soon as you started talking about it, I remembered reading about it and going hard pass. So I, I will it's, maintain that position. Okay. It's different. And it is different. I, and I'm always a fan of people showing me something different. Yes. Um, but go in, if you are going to watch it, it's called Dispatches from Elsewhere. It's mid season of season one. I don't imagine there would be a season two, but maybe there will be. Um, it just it's a different show. It's not your normal net, you know, cable network type show. And I find it to be interesting enough that it keeps me watching every week. You're unbelievable. You're unbelievable. I'm just like looking at this list, thinking like, how does he watch? I know you work, and There's I know no you work hard, on. right? So I guess you freed up half your day. Right. There's no sports to watch. Incredible. So what am I supposed to do? You loved High Fidelity, I think also on Hulu. I tried it. I may give it another shot because I love her, Zoe Kravitz. But Did I was like a little bored. Of course I love the movie. I love the book. Love the movie. I thought the show was a little boring, but I did not give it a fair shot. I gave it like 10 minutes. Okay. It it really plays itself out nicely as an homage to the film. Oh, okay. And and I think that it's it's something you should stick with. Well, thinking of speaking of things I did not stick with and that I thought I would like is Family Karma, which is a new show on Bravo. It's an Indian family. I mean, that was right up my alley and I heard it was really good. I I could not get into it. And I wanted to. I thought it was an interesting look in on a world that we haven't seen, but I still couldn't do it. Yeah. Listen, it's um, it's not Shaws of Sunset. Let's just say that. Okay, it's not. It's not nearly as good. It's not. Summer house. It's, it's, it's a summer house. It's a low end Bravo show about Indian families and Indian culture with the threat of the drama that ensues on all Bravo shows. So I take it for what it is. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I like it. There's no good reason. 
Have you actually watched The Circle? You put that on our list, but I tried to watch that and I wanted to throw myself out a window. Did you watch the whole damn thing? Of course I did. How though? That one was really bad. It was bad. It wasn't bad good. It was just bad. It was stupid. It was stupid. There was no point to it. I'm all for a social experiment. Right. I know you love your social dating experiments. (laughs) Right. This for those who aren't familiar, this is just a weird show where they put a bunch of people in the same building in different apartments and (laughs) these people communicate through social media and you don't really know if the people are telling you who they are for real or if they're catfishing or what. Um and at the end of this, they somehow declare a winner. It's really bad. The worst. Um, we do not yeah. recommend. We recommend you stay away. Yeah, but you don't do, watch it. You do like Aquafina is Nora from Queens and Afterlife. <laughs> I know about Aquafina. I haven't seen it, but I don't know what Afterlife is. Afterlife is the Ricky Gervais show on Netflix. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Is it good? I love him. It is It is good. And I love him too. And season two is coming out very soon. So I okay. was only suggesting that because if you haven't watched it and you have some time to kill, which seemingly all of us do, <laughs> watching season one of this show and rolling it into season two might be I like something it. that, you know, could kill some, some hours. Um, you know, Aquafina is, again, it's a silly kind of broad city-esque show that is on Comedy Central that I found to be entertaining. It's not, it's not as good as Dave, um, not even close in my opinion. But again, for a silly, stupid, broad city-esque Comedy Central 30 minutes, it's, I enjoyed it enough to keep watching it. Yeah, it got renewed too, didn't it? So someone's it did, watching yeah. it. Yeah. It's not just you. All right, I want to just <laughs> go into our worst shows and then we're just going to hit some podcasts really quick after that. These are the shows you absolutely, other than The Circle, that you absolutely should not watch in our opinion. Indebted on NBC, one Ugh. of the worst shows. I love Adam Pally. Love, Same. Love Fran Drescher. I said, I'm going to give this a try. And boy, was it terrible. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. Absolutely unwatchable. How is this, but- Here's what I don't understand, Brian. How did a show like that get made? I haven't the slightest idea. Someone's right? doing a favor for someone. Right. It's it's just baffling. That's With the amount of pilots that are out there, for this to get picked up to series, it's baffling to me. Okay. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> All right. I cop to the fact that I watched the entire season with some fast forwarding through really boring storylines of L Word Generation X. I'm not saying it's good. I love the original L Word on Showtime. And I'm not saying the new iteration is good, but it's soapy and it's addicting. And I like seeing my old women in there with their own storylines. So I'm not necessarily not recommending it, but I'm not necessarily recommending it. <laughs> it's not the worst show, but it's not the best show. <laughs> I have never seen a second of it, so I have no take. Okay, good. Moving on. The Sinner. So is that the one with Jessica Alba? So it's been a different plot. Oh, okay. Anthology. So the first yes. season was so, bizarre. Yes. Okay. So I really liked the first season. Yeah. It was weird. Then, uh, it was creepy. Yes. Yes. Second season I thought was so, so third season. I didn't get out of the second commercial. <laughs> and that What's, was it. Episode one. I love it. You're like, and I'm out. What yeah, is out. Avenue five? Avenue five was the show on HBO with, um, uh, Hugh Laurie. It's a, it's set oh, in the future. Okay. Um, I saw the actually, little promos for it. So it's actually more um, apropos right now oh. um, in light of a light of the, uh, the, what happened on these cruise ships with people being stuck on them. Oh God. Because it's about people who are stuck on a, and a spaceship. So instead of a cruise ship, they're on a, on a spaceship. And I really, really wanted to watch it and really wanted to like it. And it was horrible. It's from the same, team that did veep exactly i was just gonna say ianucci yeah. is brilliant that's such a disappointment yeah. that it didn't hit and hugh laurie is brilliant yes horrible show that's too bad and you're done with the walking dead which i've never seen a single episode and i never yeah. will i never will. I went nine i went nine plus seasons i think that's pretty good nine plus seasons listen i went I'm like out. 13 on gray's anatomy before i quit and now there's been like 500 but sometimes you just gotta quit you just have to know when the time is to cut out well 
There's a couple of shows that I don't see myself ever quitting. <laughs> One, of course, being Survivor at season 40. Obviously. Another, which premiered this week, is the new season of The Challenge on MTV. I will never, I, I'm never <laughs> quitting that. Johnny Bananas and CT are still rolling their bones out there. CT's 39 years old. This new season <laughs> premiered this week. It's spectacular. Um, again, Johnny Bananas is an eternal reality star, right? Hasn't he done like 23 reality shows? Yeah, and he's on the new season of The Worst Cooks in America, too. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. Um, but the, cha- the challenge always delivers for me. Yeah. Um, and so new season started this week, so you can you can get in. You do not have to have watched another season to uh, to pick right up. Put it People way. love it. That's another one. And like, that's in epi- that's in season. It's around 40. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's around 40. God bless. Yeah. So let's quickly touch on podcasts. We both love podcasts, but I know that you, you've been busy with other things. But you did <laughs> want to give a special mes- mention to an Eddie Vedder podcast. So just tell us. Yeah, so uh, Bill Simmons- Bill Simmons on the BS report. Um, got huge to podcaster. Huge. Yeah. Um, got to sit down with Eddie Vedder and Jeff Ament to talk about stories and sports and the new record that Pearl Jam put out last week. And to say that I was riveted would be an understatement. I sat and listened to this two and a half hour podcast the night it dropped with a shit eating grin on my face listening to these guys talk. Eddie Vedder is not one who does many podcasts. I've never heard him do one in my life. So to get two and a half hours of that was an absolute delight. And I think Simmons did a an admirable, admirable job for the most part handling that interview. Okay. I like it. I was just checking my fee. All right. Because there was one more that I wanted to mention. So quick yes. mentions for me. Listen, my feeling right now with podcasts is that 90% of the podcasts on my feed, no matter what the original conceit of the podcast is supposed to be seems to be all about the virus and I can't do it because I just can't, I can't listen anymore. The only ones that I do in that vein are pod save America and love it or leave it. Otherwise I leave it. I just can't, I want distractions. So to that end, I highly recommend bitch Sess, which I think I've talked about before. That's Danielle Schneider and Casey Wilson who talk about mostly Bravo shows. They're hilarious. Love it. There's a new, new-ish podcast that just finished dropping called The Baron of Botox. I had the host on my podcast last week, Justine Harmon. It's a really interesting deep dive into this plastic surgeon named Dr. Frederick Brandt, who even if you don't know him, you know him because they parodied him on Kimmy Schmidt and he killed himself like shortly after the podcast dropped. Do you remember that? Yeah, that I did not know the connection there. Yeah, and again, I mean, is that why he killed himself? No, but you know, the, it was just the timing. He's a very sensitive person and who was also depressed, but but it really goes into the culture of beauty and aging and wealth and class. It just covers a lot of different really interesting things. I highly recommend that. I highly recommend Chasing Cosby, um, which, you know, you know the story, but this really gives the women a voice in a way that you haven't heard before. And just reminds you that you can't believe that this monster was roaming free for like his entire life. It's just sickening. That's depressing. And then Catch and Kill in a similar vein, Ronan Farrow's podcast about his book. Have you listened to this, Brian? I have not. This is worth your while. This is great storytelling. Ronan Farrow is a massive talent. I read the book and I thought the podcast was actually better than the book. That's how good this podcast is. Wow. Highly recommend it. One other I'll give a shout out to, which you probably would enjoy, is called Origins with Jim Miller. It's My issue is it's not a well... Sorry, Jim, if you're listening, but I don't believe it's a well-produced <laughs> podcast from the point of view of the storytelling is all over the place. Like it needed a really good script slash producer person, but it tells the origin stories of certain shows. So it does Sex in the City, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Saturday Night Live. So just oh. all the shows you love yeah. and it gets all the stars. Like they talk to everybody. So you're still, even though it's all over the place and kind of a mess, you're still getting such awesome stories and juicy nuggets that it's totally worth the listen and so much fun. The one, the JB Smooth stories on Curb are worth the listen alone. And so now you have the caveat that again, I don't think it's, necessarily well-produced, but, but still so fun that I highly suggest it. Awesome. I look forward to checking it out. Now, last but not least, have you read any books 
since we've last talked. <laughs> do you, based on what I've told you that I've watched, <laughs> do you think I've had time to read a book? I, I would love to have answered that with a resounding yes. I've read many books, but no, not no. A, you haven't not read a, a single one. Well, nope. my book reading is is at an all time low as well. However, I did really love the Jessica Simpson book memoir, and hopefully, we'll be recap recapping that with my cousin soon because we're dying to talk about it. It was so much fun, really fluffy, light, easy read. Highly recommend. So we've got to wrap this up. Yeah, I think we we covered some pretty good ground here, and hopefully, gave <laughs> you some things to watch during this time that you might not have otherwise been familiar with. Watch, listen, read. We got it all. Yeah, this you should is read. So Everyone should read more. Read. What are you watching this weekend? I have to, you know, it's it's odd because I actually have a lot of stuff on my DVR. I'm sure you do. So, I, so I'll clean out my DVR and then I kind of want to check out um, at least an episode of the of Eliza Schlesinger's sketch show on Netflix. Oh yeah, I love her. We saw her live. She too. was really funny. Yeah, so I want to see if she if that show is is worth a watch. Um, there's a there's a special that's streaming on Saturday with a bunch of stand up comedians, Adam Sandler, and a whole bunch of people um, as a benefit for right. Corona. So I may try to check that out. Anything you're watching this weekend? I think I'm gonna just blow through Ozark. I feel like I just yeah. got to do it, and I'm just gonna do it. All right. Well, text me while you're watching so that um, I can confirm that it fell off a cliff in episode six. Ugh, so depressing. All right. I will. Brian, <laughs> as usual, you're the best. Everyone check out his blog, tvuncovered.com. We will do this again soon. And thank you for watching everything so we can get the get all the latest. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. 